Welcome to Created to Reign, a production of the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. We are a ministry dedicated to helping people fulfill the mandate God gave mankind in Genesis 1.28 to subdue and rule the earth in a way that enhances its fruitfulness, its beauty, and its safety to the glory of God and the benefit of our neighbors. I'm David Arley Gates, and our topic today is Thomas Jefferson and the University of Virginia. Back in the mid-1990s, I spent 13 months on a sabbatical leave at the University of Virginia. One of my most memorable moments was the Florida State University of Virginia football game that fall. The Florida State Seminoles had never lost in the ACC since they joined several years earlier. They were 29-0. It was late in the season, and the Seminoles were ranked number two in the nation. The game came down to one final play with Florida State inside the Virginia 10-yard line and needing to score a touchdown to win. Florida State went with a running play to Warwick Dunn, and Virginia stopped him inside the one-yard line. The crowd stormed the field in celebration while the students tore down the goalposts in the end zone and marched them up the hill to the rotunda, where they ceremoniously placed the goalposts at the feet of a statue to the father of the university, Thomas Jefferson. Indeed, Jefferson's obelisk at Monticello proclaims him as the father of the university, while admitting that he served as president of the United States. Now we move forward less than 30 years. As the new semester of the 2022-2023 school year begins, an editorial in the school newspaper reads in part, quote, we reject how the university's physical environment, one that glorifies racists, slaveholders, and eugenicists with statues and buildings named in their honor. This physical environment upholds an enduring culture of white supremacy. There's a reason why white supremacists gathered with torches around Jefferson's statue on the north side of the rotunda. Our physical environment, from statues to building names to Jefferson's overwhelming presence, exalts people who held the same beliefs as the repugnant white supremacists. These buildings must be renamed and memorials removed. As Mark Tooley, writing for World, suggested, why stop there? If the university is as corrupt as the students believe it to be, why not demolish the entire university and distribute the income as reparations? The students believe that the revolution they wish to initiate will remove the blinders from our eyes, which have been in place for nearly two and a half centuries. Tooley goes on to suggest that revolutions are always the same. All that came before was wicked, and now we, with justice on our side, will erase the past by invoking truth and righteousness. But he adds, we are as captive to our times and its assumptions as Jefferson was to his. Abolition was not widely espoused when Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence, but he wrote that, quote, all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Tooley quotes Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who declared, quote, When the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. Was Martin Luther King Jr. an apologist for white supremacy? Well, of course not. Sometimes revolutions get things correct. The American Revolution, for example, has inspired many countries to eschew tyranny and rise up against their oppressors. But sometimes revolutions don't get it right. 
Revolutions in France in 1789, Russia in 1917, Germany in the 1930s, China in 1949, and Iran in 1979, for instance, resulted in totalitarian states. Someone once said that the grass always looks greener on the other side until you get there. Often your view was correct, but often your view was just plain wrong. But once you have jumped the fence, it's too late to go back. And so it is with the environmental movement. Until recently, industrialization and capitalism were heralded as major positive developments, lifting the masses from a life of poverty, excessive labor, and greatly increasing the health and well-being of everyone. Competition allowed for the best ideas to flourish and for bad ideas to be discarded. But now, the enlightened environmentalists view them as being evil developments, which adversely affect the poor, enslave the masses, and lay waste to God's creation. They insist that we must jump back over the fence and return to a time when humans supposedly lived in harmony with our environment. The problem is that we can still remember that period in time, and it was far from a panacea. Abundant and inexpensive energy has fostered conditions that are greatly improved over what they were before. I guess that is why the environmentalists feel we must change our traditions and rewrite our history. As Christians, we recognize that we all are flawed humans and that we are not perfect. But if we truly strive to follow Matthew 22:36 to 40 and treat the Lord our God as supreme and others as equals, then we will realize that it is far more useful to green the grass we have than to accept the brown grass of the green environmentalists. Thank you for listening to Created to Rain, produced by the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and share the episode link with your friends. To learn more or to support our ministry with a 100% tax-deductible donation, please visit cornwallalliance.org. Until next time, always apply the Apostle Paul's instruction in 1 Thessalonians 5.21 to test all things, hold fast what is good.